0: What's going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It is heard live every day from noon to three on WBT radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content like invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with all the links, become a patron, go to the dot com Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And again, thank you so much for your support. Yeah, it's Thursday. Welcome to the program. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110 993 WBT 704-570-1110 1-800-WBT-1110. And the email is Pete at the dot com. Early voting is underway just for a few more days. Actually, in Mecklenburg County, actually all across the state, it's underway Uh, in Mecklenburg County. There are. I think like uh, almost two dozen sites that you can vote early. I say all of this because I'm going to be voting early. I'm going to go vote, I think, after I get off the air today. I think I'm going to mosey on down to one of the early voting sites. I'm not sure which one, probably one close by, rather than driving like all across the fruited county uh, in order to uh, go to one of the early voting sites. So all 20, yeah, there are 22 sites. They are all open through saturday all right so you can early vote on saturday from 8 a.m to 3 p.m now look if you're one of these people that you're like i don't vote any day except election day and if i feel sick and i can't get out of bed then i just don't vote like if that's you then okay fine but if you are going to go vote early you have a couple of days you got today you got friday and you have saturday but that's it 8 a.m to 3 p.m saturday Today, you have until 7.30. Tomorrow, you have until 7.30. I always try to wait until the end of the period, the early voting period. So this way, you know, because if you vote early, like early voting started on February 15th. And, um, you know, something could have happened between February 15th and now that could have affected my vote. And so I I, I never want to vote too early in the early voting, you know, just in case now. If I go and I cast my ballot, and then something breaks, you know, tomorrow or Saturday or Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, then okay, I'm you know I'm going to be out of luck, and maybe I voted for somebody that's later busted for you know child pedophilia as opposed to adult pedophilia, but no pedophilia or you know uh, stealing puppies or something. There's just no way to know for sure. Um, But I do I do prefer to bank the vote so this way, in case something happens to me. Uh, I I will have voted, you know, and uh, I don't have to worry about getting to the election. You know, some days, some election days, I do go vote on Election Day. I can do that as well. Sometimes it is more convenient for me to do that. But I have found with this uh, shift, the noon to three shift, it's uh, I, I find it easier to just bank the vote early because uh, my mornings are usually filled with show prep for, you know, six, seven hours and then. I could, you know, afternoons, I could, you know, swing by after work, but most afternoons I'm doing something too. So, you know, I got city council meetings or county commission meetings or whatever. So I just don't want to leave it to chance. I want to make sure that, you know, I get in there and, uh, and I cast my vote. So I'll be going to one of the 22 sites, by the way, if you want to know, they are the Allegra Westbrooks Regional Library, Car- uh Carmel Commons, uh, Pineville Matthews Road, um, Cornelius Town Hall, Davidson Town Hall, Eastway Regional Rec Center, Hal Marshall Annex, Hornet's Nest Pavilion, Independence Regional Library, Matthews Library, Marion Deal Center, Mint Hill Library, Mount I, uh, Mountain Island Library. I almost said lake there. Do not go vote in the lake. Huntersville, North County Regional Library, Pineville Library, Steel Creek Masonic Temple Lodge, which is across the street from the library. They do the car show down there. Anyway. South County Regional Library, South Park Regional Library, Tuckasegee Rec Center, University Area. It doesn't say what, just says University Area. So I guess you just kind of, you just kind of show up into the University Area and just kind of look around, I guess, for the signs. It's weird. Well, it has an address. 9315 North Tryon Street, Uptown Overstreet Mall. Oh, at the Overstreet Mall. You can vote at the Overstreet Mall. It's interesting. Huntersville, David B. Waymer, Rec Center, and finally, the West Boulevard Library. There you go. Those are your early voting sites. All right. So I am curious, um, who do you like for the various races? I'm going to go over some of this stuff. And also, one of the key um, pieces, uh, uh, one of the key changes, I should say, in the uh, state election law that was passed last year uh, means that we are not going to see the Red Mirage this year or the, the, yeah, the, well, it depends on where we are because in some states, the red mirage is the blue mirage, but whatever. So, and, and voting patterns have been changing. It used to be um, the uh, absentee ballots would, would come in, you know, and get counted up first. And so you would see this, uh, uh, this wave or, or mirage that the, that the Republicans were winning because of the absentee ballots, a lot of military ballots and that sort of thing. But as Democrats have uh, become more and more um, reliant on the early voting, they've been banking tons of votes in the early voting periods. And so you end up then with this, uh, with, with these early votes being tallied. And so uh, uh, in, in North Carolina, they would count them before the uh, polls close on election day, but they would start counting them on election day and then they would uh post the results when the polls closed so historically in in mecklenburg county you would have the polls close at 7 30 and within half an hour right we would get a batch usually i, mean, I remember years ago it was in, almost immediately the polls would close at 7 30 and they had all the early voting numbers uh run and counted because they would start counting them in the afternoons and boom so you would see immediately what the early voting numbers looked like And so that's where you would see a lot of the uh, the Democrats make their initial gains with the early vote totals, and then election day totals. You would have to start. You would have to you know see Republicans kind of eat away at that lead all night long. This year is not going to be that way. State Board of Elections sent out a press release, and it outlines what to expect here. Because it's going to be different this year. So do not expect results at 7.30. Don't expect them at 8.00. Probably don't even expect them before 8.30, by the way. As a result of recent changes in state law, in-person early voting results will be reported later than usual on election night for the 2024 primary. This, in turn, may cause election day results to be reported later as well. In the past, county boards of elections could tabulate early voting results before the close of polls and then report those results almost immediately at 7.30 on election night. Under changes in the state law, county boards now have to wait until 7.30 to, quote, close the polls on early voting tabulators and begin the process of counting and reporting results of ballots cast during the early voting period. Now, um, on the one hand, I understand the rationale behind this, and I was going to read to you, uh, one of the uh, attorneys who works for the Senate, the state Senate, a uh, guy by the name of Brent Woodcocks. I was going to read to you his uh, Twitter thread that he put up last night explaining the rationale behind this. But uh, And so I bookmarked it on Twitter. And then this morning I uh, opened up the Twitter machine and uh, I went to my bookmarks and went to pull it up. And it's, it's not there. I'm, I thought, that's weird. I thought I bookmarked that thing. Okay, well, you know what? I, fine, I'll just search his name. And so clickety-clickety-click, and that account has been deleted. Really? Indeed. Apparently the lawyer, one of the lawyers, and I've talked about Brent Woodcox on the program for years. I've read his stuff on uh, for years. He is one of the attorneys that works in state senator or for state senator Phil Berger and the Senate leadership. And he has been you know, on Twitter for years and years, mixing it up and arguing with people, arguing with me. I mean, like, I've I've gotten into fights with the guy. Um, but he offers, you know, a legal viewpoint, but also a, uh, you know, a defense of whatever the leadership's positions on various things are. I think the last thing that we had gotten into a big fight over was the uh, um, Medicaid expansion, right? When the, When he's trying to tell us that... No, actually, now it's good. You know, all, all of those years that we've been arguing against the Medicaid expansion, now we're in favor of it, and, you know, you're you're a jerk face for, you know, not signing on to this, even though I'm the one that's maintaining the principle, <laughs> right? And you're the one that changed your view. Now, you're like, I'm somehow in the wrong. Like, I'm the maroon because I believed in what I was arguing, and you apparently did not. Whatever. So he um, he deleted his account. Not sure really why. Um, however, it was pointed out to me that there is litigation around this election law. And so perhaps his, uh, his tweet storm last night about this election law might not have been the best thing, uh, the most prudent thing to do pending litigation. But that being said, there, there are some pros to this as to why you would, you know, not have the counting early, which is that it inspires a lack of confidence. It undermines confidence in the system because People, they see, you know, most people don't know how the the counting of the votes occurs. And so when they sit down and they're watching the returns and all of a sudden they see this huge lead for the Democrats and they're like, well, how'd they, how did that happen? Right? They don't, they don't understand. And so now it's going to be, okay, you know what, we're going we're to report all of this stuff after the polls close, 730, you start counting then. Now, what that means, though, for big counties, urban counties like Mecklenburg, is that they can't start counting early. On election day, they can't count the early ballots that are already closed down, right? That's already ended. Early voting is already over. They can't start counting them until they start counting everybody. And so it means a delay. And so for large counties like ours, we're probably not going to see numbers start rolling in until after, I don't know, 830, 9 o'clock. I do know also that it seems to only get worse every year, slower and slower and slower. I don't know why. I'm old enough to remember when, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, after the 2000 election of W over Al Gore, and they brought in these electronic machines, we were getting results almost immediately. Now it seems like, you know, there are delays and there are system errors across the entire state. I don't know. I do know I'm way late for a break. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials... Camping and hiking supplies, even because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com, veteran owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? The email is Pete at the Pete Show dot com. Tim sent me the message via email quoting H L Mencken. Every election is a sort of advance auction sale of stolen goods. Um, Oh, the, uh, the university area polling location is the Coles, the old Coles department store. Hmm. Okay. Um, all right. So early voting is, uh, underway. You got a couple more days through Saturday. um, One of the races, and I heard uh, Brett Jensen talking about this uh, yesterday morning with uh, Bo and Beth on their uh, morning show, and uh, then the Charlotte Observer did the story today on the same sort of dynamic here, which is that uh, Pat Cotham uh, may have a bit of uh, uh, a fight on her hands. Uh, Pat Cotham, county commissioner, Democrat, uh, the top votainer in multiple elections— Votainer, it's a better word than vote getter. Come on, people, let's make it happen. Okay, but uh, there's now some some wish casting or concern that Pat Cotham and even Vilma Leek might not make it through the primary on Tuesday. According to the Charlotte Observer story, a pair of veteran Mecklenburg County commissioners uh, are watching institutional support shift I thought this was interesting institutional support because when I read the organizations that uh, that are, you know, being identified as institutional support, I took that as uh, activist base, the activist activist base. That's where the shift is occurring. Um, five candidates, including three incumbents are running for three at large Democrat nominations on the board of county commissioners in the March 5 primary. Okay, so you've got um, no Republicans running. So whoever clears this primary, they're going to win. They're going to take all three of the seats. There are three seats available. Democrats have five candidates for those three seats. So the top three votainers will win the three seats. So you got to finish in the top three. Had there been any Republicans running for the offices, these top three Democrat votainers would then face the top three Democrat or uh, Republican votainers. And whoever wins out of that race would become the county commissioners, right? That's that's the uh, at-large system. But because there are no Republicans, top three votainers of these Democrats win. And this might be the problem now for Pat Cotham because she generally enjoys some support among unaffiliateds and even Republicans, who don't have any other choice, uh, but she will get some of their vote. And that is unacceptable to the activists. Unacceptable. All right, hey, maybe you have heard by now DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to North Carolina. It's coming soon, on March 11th to be exact. DraftKings is one of America's top-rated sports books with same-game parlays, money lines, and props. The best features like... Odds boost and live betting and social betting groups where you can share your bets with your friends in real time. DraftKings is safe, it's secure and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. And it all starts on March 11th. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and then place your bets on your favorite sports once it goes live. And again, it goes live on March 11th. And now here's the disclaimer. Gambling problem, call 877 718 5543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov, 21 plus, North Carolina only. Eligibility restrictions apply, subject to regulatory licensing requirements, and see terms at sportsbook sportsbook NC. News Talk 1110 3 WBT 704 570 800 WBT 1110 On Twitter, at Pete Callender, got a message here from Russ, who says, as long as we're doing Mencken quotes, looks like we have reached that glorious day he had hoped for. When he said, quote, on some great and glorious day, the plain folks of the land will reach their heart's desire at last, and the White House will be adorned by a downright moron. (laughs) 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 We have indeed. Um... Melissa says, Pete, please remind your North Carolina voters that the building one has voted in for the last decade or more may not be open for the primary. All right, make sure you check the state Board of Elections website. You can plug in your uh, your info, and you'll find out your voting location. If you are voting early, there's 22 sites in Mecklenburg County. But on Election Day, remember, the, ele- the these are primary elections. And so they don't open necessarily all of the polling stations that are open on the general election. So you have to make sure that you're going to vote in the correct place. Also in North Carolina, bring your ID. Yay. Bring your ID to vote. It is now required, despite a decade plus of litigation from the left. Um, And I did get a message from... FN Dude 2003. All right, whatever. He says, some Cabarrus County folks running for local office are having a rally tonight, 7 o'clock, 21 Union Street, South Concord, above the Cabarrus Creamery. Well, I have heard that it rises to the top. That's... <laughs> sorry. Um, They're calling it the We the People rally. So I'm thinking non-people not invited only people allowed we the people rally love to have you plug this and help get folks more involved in local politics thank you sir pete uh i am not a knight but uh i will take it okay thank you uh so there you go there's that event going on um jim in north carolina says uh they went he went to early vote last friday they were the only car in the parking lot (laughs) Well, yes, it is a primary. Look, this is a good thing. Your vote is going to matter even more in these low turnout elections, you know. Vote's going to matter more. All right. So we have a pair of veteran Mecklenburg County commissioners. Uh, This is Pat Cotham and Vilma Leek, both Democrats. And apparently they have uh, some influential groups inside the Democrat Party that have sided with the challengers. Uh, Specifically, Yvette Townsend Ingram over Pat Cotham in the at-large race. Cotham, who was the top, okay, well, the Charlotte Observer uses this antiquated, I'm going to start calling it a racist word. I mean, it's not, but I'm going to call it that, so maybe people stop using it, you know? Vote-getter. It's the votainer. Cotham was the top votainer in the last at-large race. Here's the thing. She's the mother of state representative Trisha Cotham. So we got to vote her out. How dare you give birth to this woman who 40 years later would leave the Democrat Party after being attacked by her fellow Democrats. Right. So you obviously have to get voted out. Sorry, Pat. Um, <laughs> this is right. This is actually cited as one of the reasons why many in the Democratic establishment are mad because Trisha Cotham switched parties. Pat Cotham also faces her own questions about her political preferences. because what's her face? Delahara, uh, that leftist on the what school board who made her own run for county Commission and got her took us whipped. Um, you know she's out there writing op-eds for the the Queen City nerve. Talking about how uh, Pat Cotham's really a Republican. Which, by the way, uh, Democrats, uh, you need to get used to this, which is people who are not leftists registering as Democrats and running for office. That's what happens when you control the only game in town, right? When you guys control all of the political levers, you're going to get people that don't adhere to your philosophy that sign up with your party because they want the power. That's how that works. That's it's been a problem for the Republicans at the national level for a while. That prompted the Tea Party reaction, right? the grassroots versus the establishment, all of that fight. Like That's how that happens, is once a party takes power, then you have people that only are interested in the power and not really the philosophy or the principles that animate the parties and the grassroots. Those people then are attracted to that party. And then over time, they take it over like a parasite, and then the party ceases to believe in the core philosophy that got it elected in the first place. So yeah, you guys are probably going to have to deal with that at the local level, but I digress. Um, at the district level, Charles Osborne picked up notable endorsements and donations in his quest to unseat longtime district two County commissioner, Vilma Leak. Leak first won her seat for clarity in 2008 And served 11 years on the Charlotte Mecklenburg Board of Ed before that. That's where I first met her when she was on the Board of Ed. For clarity. She always says that. Everything's for clarity. She makes political points and asks people rude questions. But she always says for clarity. For For the people to understand. For the voters. For those watching. It's never for her. She knows all the answers to these cockamamie questions that she asks. Of course she does. She's just asking for clarity for other people. That's what she says. She has also faced criticism for off color remarks, what does that mean, on topics including education. Okay, Vilma Leek has been saying crazy stuff for 25 years. Vilma Leek used to be called Dr. Leek. Yeah, I'm old enough to remember Dr. Leek. Same person. Spoiler alert, no doctorate. Never a doctor. They just started calling her that. CMS, when she was a school board member, CMS identified her as Dr. Vilma Leek on her bio page on their website. In all their materials at the school board level, like when they would say, you know, here are the school board members, and they list them all. She was Dr. Leek, and she was sitting up on the dais next to an actual Ph.D., Dr. Wilhelmina Rembert. Dr. Rembert was then asked when all of this came to light that Dr. Leek did not actually have any kind of a doctorate. She shouldn't be called doctor. Wilhelmina Rembert said, well, that's a term of endearment in the black community. (laughs) Oh, it's an honorific that is just bestowed upon people. Yeah, there you go. You get a doctorate. You get a doctorate. Everybody gets a doctorate. So we just start calling. And then CMS quietly scrubbed its website of all references to Dr. Leak. Those were the days. She's always been saying crazy stuff. But apparently now. The knives might finally be out for Dr. Vilma Leek. We shall see. I just saw a video of a dog shooting rubber bands at balloons. It's pretty amazing. You can, too, if you follow me on Twitter, at Pete Callender. Alrighty, so uh, the Charlotte Observer, Charlotte Observer headline, Here's why Mecklenburg's Cotham Leek risk losing staying power in Democratic primary. So Pat Coffin and Vilma Malik missed out on endorsements this election cycle from the influential Black Political Caucus of Charlotte Mecklenburg. Another branch of the county's Democratic Party, the LGBTQ plus Democrats of Mecklenburg County. Oh, hang on a second. Sorry. OK, so. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah that was my bad. LGBTQ plus. Democrats of Mecklenburg County. Yeah. Sorry, I thought it meant. I thought you were putting Democrat in with the LGBTQ plus Democrat. I thought that's what, okay, but that was my mistake. Could happen to anybody. Anyway, they have uh, put, what's her name? Uh, Townsend, uh, Yvette, Townsend Ingram. They put her at a higher ranking than Pat Cotham, and they put Charles Osborne above Vilma Leek in their candidate rankings. Um. What else? Uh, oh, this fella, they cited in the article, political strategist Brian Holliday. And I heard it could be so nice. Noted resentment against Trisha Cotham among Democrats could decrease support for her mother. Is this like institutional? Oh, this is like systemic punishment or something, right? Sins of the daughter or the sins of the mother, that kind of deal. It's not surprising. I I say bring back debtor's prison, you know, just start throwing the kids in jail for the debts of the parents. Just do that, too. Might as well. Um, It's not surprising that Trisha Cotham's move to the Republican Party is creating squabbles within the Democrat Party. And so I think you're seeing the ripple effects of that situation with Pat, he said. Asked whether she thinks her daughter's decision is affecting her campaign, Pat Cotham said she has learned across the years of races that support Ebb's and flows. Vilma Leek. Her tenure in public office has included controversial moments. She was admonished in 2022 for saying in response to an update on student achievement in CMS, that local parents quote ought to take out a warrant and have every educator arrested and put in jail for not seeing that their children are not given a quality education college ready. Earlier that year, 2022, she was accused of repeatedly calling a judge to discuss a sensitive juvenile court case involving a constituent, which then drew a letter from the state attorney asking her to stop. <laughs> Classic Vilma. I love how all of a sudden people in the Democrat Party are waking up to the uh, to the erratic behaviors of Vilma Leek. Uh, I mean, this is like... This is not new. We have been playing sound bites on WBT for 25 years of Vilma Leek saying crazy things, doing crazy things, wearing flowers the size of a basketball, right? We have been highlighting these things for over two decades. But I guess now, now that they've got some legit contenders against her, I guess now it's finally okay. You're going to go for the queen. You better not miss, you know? The thing about Vilma, she there's a reason she keeps winning all of these district races. Constituent services or what passes for it. She shows up. She shows up everywhere. She has nothing else to do. (laughs) Right. She goes to every school to the point where it's annoying to the schools. The schools do not appreciate it. She shows up. She wants to tour. She wants to talk to people. She talks about all of her babies. These are my babies, all my babies and stuff. Talking about students, your your babies, your actual kids. She's calling her babies, okay? Uh, And she goes through all the classes and stuff. But she also shows up at churches, church events and such. And she is the widow of a former preacher. And they're taken care of. This is a woman who survived a challenge to her election because... um, she was living in a different place, right? She has a house in rain tree and she wanted everybody to believe that it's vacant. She doesn't stay there. No, no. Instead, she rented a tiny little apartment off of South Boulevard, you know, that's surrounded by, you know, gates, uh, in order to keep all the riffraff out. Um, and it's not exactly a – it's not a fantastic apartment complex, okay? I used to live over there. I know exactly I – went, I went to the complex one night, but and then I was on the phone. I was actually filing a live report, and they were like, oh, you should climb the fence. I think Hancock was trying to convince me to climb the fence. I'm like, I'm not climbing a fence into a gated apartment complex. I don't got to break the law just to find out if she's living there. When it's quite obvious, according to the, the hearing that was held at this uh, county board of elections, that she obviously did not live there, right? It was obvious and they refused to issue any subpoenas because the Democrats controlled the board. She brought in Julius Chambers to act as her attorney. And he asked all these you know, questions. Oh, What do you have in your refrigerator? Oh, I guess I have a jar of mayo or something. I don't know. Ketchup or mustard, whatever. So like these silly questions that endeared her to her fellow Democrats that she all knew on the board of elections which again refused to issue any subpoenas on behalf of the people that had filed the complaints, her constituents who said, you don't live in our district. So they, and one was a witness who lived across the street from her house in Raintree. And they saw her pulling in and out of the driveway, living there, taking in mail, doing all this stuff. They would not issue subpoenas to prove that she actually is getting bills and stuff delivered at the, at the house. I believe it was a couple months later when Louis Ginyard, Libertarian running for mayor of Charlotte who claimed his office as his residence. Same challenge was brought by a fellow Libertarian and the, and the local board of elections, the Democrats on the Mecklenburg board of elections, they said, Oh, do you need us to issue any subpoenas for you? Cause we'll do that. So now they'll issue the subpoenas in order to keep this other guy, Louis Ginyard off the ballot. Anyway, I'm down the rabbit hole on that on the fundraising front. Mr. Osborne has reported a couple of notable donations against, in his race against Vilmalik, notably $250 from George Dunlap, the county commission chair and longtime colleague of Vilmalik. He's been on the school board and county commissioner for the entire time she's been on the school board and county commission. Also, Laura Meyer, who I thought she said, I think it's self-explanatory that I support him. Yeah, that's right, because they do not get along. They don't get along at all. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I could not do the show without your support and the support of the businesses that advertise on the podcast. So if you'd like, please support them too and tell them you heard it here. You can also become a patron at my Patreon page or go to thepetecalendershow.com. Again, thank you so much for listening and uh, don't break anything while I'm gone.